and welcome to Everyone's a Critic. I'm Julian Stevens. I'm Samuel Hunt. And uh, yeah, so this is a, a film podcast with a couple of guys who have high opinions of their own opinions. Exactly. And a film, po- a film podcast for people that love movies, really. Yeah, but also unpretentious at the same time. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> speak, speak for yourself, mate. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we just, you know, we have mutual friends and we were hanging out and, you know, we're now friends and one of the things we talked about a lot was was movies and our love of films and we found that we liked quite a lot of the same films and yeah. disliked quite a lot as well. Yeah, and we, we felt that we could literally talk about films for hours. For a long time. Often did at parties, much to our friends' dismay. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? Someone else might like to hear about this the, these conversations. Yeah. So fun. that's what we're kind of go, trying to go for, just to... A conversation and you can listen in. We'll try to bring some loose formatting into it. Yeah, yeah. It's chilled. It's very it's very relaxed. You know, if you have any opinions on any of the opinions expressed here, you know, feel free to, to let us know. Or keep them to yourself. You know? Yeah, or keep yeah. If you don't agree then keep them to yourself. But you know, if you think we're right, then we'd really like to hear it. We'd love to hear it, yeah. That'd be great. Um so Joe has worked in radio before, haven't you? Yeah, I mean you say well not professionally, but I had a few old um uni radio shows. Hmm. Um, had a, a football show, a general general chat and ostensibly advice show, hmm. and then a more kind of variety one, which is still on now. It's called Late Night Niche. Look at the podcast. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, but like, no, but like also, it. you know, carry on listening to this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so I, I do have a bit of radio experience hmm. before. This so. is my first time. Yeah, I'm, I'm guiding you in. I know, thank you. Yeah. Taking you by the hand, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'll be gentle. Thank you. <laughs> oh god. Um, so I think we should probably touch on the Baftas because you know, yeah, they're they, on Sunday night. Did you watch them live? I, I did actually watch. Yeah, I watched. Sat down, and watched two hours of Baftas. Yeah, so did I. I thought it was quite committed. You, you were watching live as well. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you? I mean, obviously, Revenant. You know, won the most awards. Best film. Best actor, best actor, best sound, I think. cinematography. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other thing that struck me though is just how many technical awards Mad Max got. I thought that was good. I mean, I really liked Mad Max. I, I like Mad Max as yeah. well. Um, and I thought all the things that won it really deserved to win. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and you know, possibly the most talked about moment of the night with Stephen Fry's bag lady comment, which yeah. I thought was like. Well, there's only funny lines of the night. Yeah, yeah. That was, all, like, you that can't make fine. a joke. And it turns out that they're mates. So yeah, exactly. What's the problem? Exactly. I don't even understand why anyone's still talking about it. It's slow news day, Samuel. Yeah, slow yeah, news day. Clearly. Um, but you know, she did a, a fantastic job mm. with the the costume design. And the yeah, makeup. yeah. It's not really something you'd notice automatically. I think watching Mad Max. I mean. You know, it's such a great film that they're so you know you're so driven by the plot and so caught up in the special effects and everything. But then when you when when they showed clips of the movie, you know, and the close-ups of the costume design, yeah, I thought like, actually shit, that that is really good. Yeah, um, very intricate. I mean, I thought that the best actress for Brie Larson for Room. I mean, we're not gonna we're not doing Room as a review no. today, but I would like to just say I I was completely blown away by it. I mean, those are the exact words I was going to use. Flawed. Literally, yeah. I came out of the cinema. I had to sit down. I went to see it with Billy, and you know, we sat down as soon as we came out. Sat there for about twenty minutes in the foyer, just staring into space. So we got on the train, missed two stops because we were thinking about the movie. I mean, that's how one of the most emotional experiences I've had in the cinema, and yeah. it's affected me afterwards. You know, I've really, it's really been, it, it's like an emotion that I'm carrying with me. Yeah, and it's been said about it before, as we said, we don't want to repeat other things reviews have said, but 
it's not the film you think it's going to be. If you no. think it's going to be kind of the Fritzl story or something really yeah. horrendously harrowing, it's not. No, it's not. It's at all. and in a way, and this is described by the director himself, it's kind of a and without kind of glamorising it, it's kind of a, a, a best case scenario. Mm. And because you're mm. seeing it through um, his eyes, the little boy's eyes. Mm. You, you're sheltered somewhat. You're sheltered because yeah. she shelters him, because yeah. Mar shelters him. Yeah, yeah. Because Mar shelters Jack. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just amazing also with, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, I, I quite like The Revenant, you know, but you look at The Revenant, $135 million budget, you know, room... It's a lot of money. Yeah, room $6 million budget, yeah? Yeah. And a lot of it, you know, I'm not trying, I don't want to give anything away here, but a lot of it is filmed in a very enclosed space. Well, and that's not giving anything away. That's like no. the concept behind the movie. But I think, you know, um, Revenant won an award for cinematography. Okay, fair enough. But Room, I mean, it manages to create so much drama with literally just two characters, two fantastic performances by Brie Larson and Jake Tremblay, who both How did he not get nominated for anything? I know, but what would they it's nominate criminal. for? Can he win Best Actor when he's that age? He's yeah. seven or he can eight? can whatever he wants. Yeah. Well, I just wanted Room to win everything. Yeah. I just literally, every category that came up, I was like, Room, Room... Costume, but, whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just chuck it in there, yeah. you know. Special but it, it wasn't up for that much. I mean, it wasn't even up for Best Film. No, it wasn't, was it? No. Which but hopefully a, it'll be up for Best Film travesty. come the Oscars. Yeah, because they put Ted up. They put what? They, they, have. they put Ted up. Yeah. Right, okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, Len, Lenny Abrahamson, who did Frank. Did you, did you see Frank? I haven't seen Frank, actually. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw Frank. That's really good. I'm a big fan of John Ronson. Who, wears a big yeah. head. John and, Ronson, who wrote it. Oh, right, okay. Um, who's a yeah, very good novelist. Yeah, yeah. Not I mean, novelist, writer. He doesn't write novels. <laughs> we'll cut that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Frank, I thought Frank was, you know, it made me laugh a lot. And um, But I kind of felt like he, he didn't tie it up quite as much as I would have liked him to at the end. Mm. I like films to be circular. Yeah. You know? And at the end of Room, you really felt like it was almost perfect. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You oh. literally felt like you'd come full circle and you were like, yeah, I get it. I get the concept. I love it. You know, I love I the emotion. I in with these characters. Yeah, exactly. Just anything they do, I could just sit here and watch this all day. And it's a film that relies so heavily on its central characters. And I mean, boy, did they deliver. Jesus. Yeah. That, like... You know, if he doesn't go down a uh, bad child actor path, that yeah. Jacob Tremblay <laughs> has a big future ahead of him because he was yeah. phenomenal. Oh my god, ridiculous! Yeah. Well, we said we weren't going to review Room, but there it is. Go, and, <laughs> go, go and watch Room. It is spectacular. It's the best film I've seen. It's my favourite film since The Babadook, which was released in 2014. Oh, okay. Yeah, in the in the cinema. It's you know, one of the best films yeah. I've seen in the past 12 months. Yeah, it's it, yeah, right up there, definitely. Um, so what's so what have we got coming up? Um, so coming up, we have first off. I'm going to be doing Alvin and the Chipmunks: The Road Chip. Which Fantastic is, pun there. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's great. Really. Wait till you hear the other titles. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, and you're doing. I'm doing Spotlight. Spotlight. So, you yeah. know, pretty similar films, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Both. Yeah, our reviews will be quite similar, I'd imagine. Yeah, and then we've got. Um, so what we do is we do two new films and then we do an older classic. Uh, so in this instance we're doing Rocky, which we hadn't seen before. An old classic that we haven't seen, that, that we watch for the purpose of doing the podcast. So we've yeah. seen Rocky in the past week. Um, and then a hidden gem that we both agree is a fantastic film but might not be, um, you know, might not be a household name to a lot of people. And, you know, we're trying to bring that to the forefront. Yeah. So in this case it is... 
It's the Spectacular Now. That's right, yeah. Um, which we actually both agreed on. We did. We, we agreed. That was like the first thing we agreed on. We just said Hidden Gems, Spectacular Now. Yeah, in... Both like fantastic movie. Exactly. Okay, but fine. But you know, you'll hear more about that later on. Yeah, so stay tuned. Stay tuned, and coming up is Arvin. Yes. Get ready. Okay, so um, I was wondering what I could go and see that would bring a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of difference between the film that you were seeing and the film that I was seeing. So you yeah. told me you were going to see, go and see Spotlight, so yeah. I said, you know what, I'm going to go and see Arvin and the Chipmunks because, you know, it might be good, it might be crap, whatever, it'll bring, you know, it'll bring some difference. Bit of variety. Yeah. Bit of variety. Spice so, yeah. of life, some say. Exactly. So bring a bit of variety to, to the programme. So... On Monday, I had, a, I had an hour free at work, so I decided to go over to Leicester Square and catch the midday screening of, of Alvin uh, in my suit. So I, Brilliant. I, yeah, yeah, I bought the ticket at, uh, I bought the ticket at one of the electronic machines, you know, because I was trying to keep a low profile. And I went up to the usher to give him my ticket, and I said to him, I said, look, I'm a film critic, I really, I don't, I don't want to be here. And he looked at me, and he just, he clearly didn't, he didn't believe me, definitely didn't think I was a film critic. I either thought I was a pedo, or that I was there. Um, as a big, huge Alvin huge Alvin fan. Huge Alvin you know, fan. From the 80s, what kind of guy goes at midday to see Alvin in a suit? I mean, come on. So anyway, one of those two. One, of, yeah, one of those two, or both. I mean, you know. So anyway, he let he let me in, and I snuck in the back and, and sat there, you know, with my head in my hands. I'm afraid to say, through most of the screening. So let's just let's just look at the plot first, okay? This is this is basically the plot. Alvin, Simon, and Theo. Are chipmunks. They are. They're oh, chipmunks. Okay. They're chipmunks, and they have they have a real father. Quite why? I mean, a real human father. I don't I don't know why that is. It's never really explained yeah. in the movie. You know, just take it. Just take it as just red. Just take it as red. Just take it as yeah. red. They're chipmunks. They've got a father. Okay, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm I'm with it so far. Um, they throw a big party at the beginning of the film. Their father Dave gets pissed off because they trash the house. Then they go and play mini golf. As you do. As you, you know. do. Dave's sound like little shits, to be honest. They well, don't, yeah, I haven't, I haven't even started yet. Really, just <laughs> on the plot. So Dave, so Dave introduced them to his new girlfriend, who they really like, but who they don't like is Dave's girlfriend's son, who's called Miles, who starts bullying them and all this, and starts throwing them around. And you know, it's probably actually the only part of the movie I enjoyed was watching the chipmunks <laughs> get beaten up. Um, and so then we move on, and Dave and his girlfriend are going to Miami for reasons unexplained, and the chipmunks have to live with her son, and they find out that Dave's going to propose... How old is her son? Her son, this is Miles, he's like 15 or 16, and they find out that he's, Dave's going to propose to his girlfriend, and Miles and the chipmunks, they don't want to be brothers with each other, so they decide to set off, oh, wouldn't you know it, they decide to go on a road trip. Oh. Um, they, they go on a road trip to <laughs> to stop the engagement. I'm not making this up. This is actually what happens. Yeah, so it's the, the words road trip. So so the so the previous films. This is one of the things that struck me. Is like the previous movies. You got three three previous movies. One was Alvin and the Chipmunks, the first one. Yeah. Then you had the Squeakle. Yeah. Yeah, you've seen that. Obviously. And then we course, had yeah, a huge Alvin fan. And then Chipwrecked. Okay. So usually in a sequel, you know, the the one straight after the original, the characters go on a road trip or they go on holiday. Well, you know, that's the classic plot twist. Yeah, or carry on or anything. Yeah. Basically. 
But in this film, they go on the road trip in the fourth movie. So it's like, what the hell were they doing in the other movies? You know, I don't, I don't want any answers on that. But it's just, you know, a bit mind-boggling. They were chipwrecked. They were chipwrecked, and they were squeak, I squeak. I mean, I don't know. Um, so anyway, the, Alvin is voiced by Justin Long, who was in Dodgeball. You might not know him. Oh, I know Justin Long. I quite like Justin Long. Right. Okay. I mean, you you can't recognise his voice in this because okay. it's just it's just turned up pitch. And Anna Faris plays one of the chipettes. Yeah, no, I know Anna Faris. The only from similarity scary, from the scary movie. Yeah, the only similarity those two actors share is that they were both in Movie Forty Three. So that. Kind of, Some were a lot of people though. You can't. Kind of, can't. Kind of speaks for itself, really. As was I know, but I think I think when you've got a movie where more than one actor in it was in movie 43 you were onto a bad thing okay 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 fine so that's fine okay fine Hugh Jackman and Kate Winslet Richard Gere yeah but they were in Australia together and that was shit oh no that was no, that, that was, was a Nicole Kidman alright moving on <laughs> anyway Walt Becker director and uh, he is responsible for such crimes against humanity as Zookeeper did you ever see that what Helen Old that's Dogs James yeah, yeah, exactly. Old dogs. He's got an average um, 14% rating on Ooh, Rotten Tomatoes. Dear, how do these people come still... I suppose they're films like... Money no, because they, they looked at Alvin and Chipmunks and they said, you know, we, this, is, this has always been a shit franchise. Let's get a suitably shit director in to, to do it. And, you know, how do these they, people get, you know, maintain employment? Well, it is, it is mind-boggling. I mean, re- remember, he did Van Wilder as well, okay? Van Wilder... Oh, wait, that's a... Well, it, Van Wilder... A movie in which there's a gag where some frat boys mistakenly eat donuts containing um, the semen of a bulldog. And let's get, you know what, let's get that guy in to direct a kid's, uh, you know, a kid's movie, a five-year-old's movie. I haven't seen Van Wilder, but I know that's a reputation of, you know, some cult following. It was like a fun college movie. Oh, cult following, yeah, because there was no critical following at all. It was, you know, panned. But it's not I've, seen, I've seen Van Wilder. Mm. It's all right. Mm. But, you know, the point is... This guy, you know, he's just known for making crass, just crass, really, you know, even when he's made family movies, they've been, you know, unsuitable in a way. Um, so, so they decided to get him on anyway. And about, about the film, about the characters, I cannot stand Alvin and his friends. I mean, they are just, the, I, I, I have no words. I mean, the sound of their voice the sound of their voice is just so grating on my mind. I mean, I, I had a headache after five minutes of being in there. I, I really did. I had my head in my hands. I could still hear everything. And it's like, you know when you have those movies where you go in and it's really boring, you know it's going to be a shit movie, and you just sit back and you, you nod off a bit and you think, oh, you know, it's all right, I'll just, you know, this will be over in an hour and a half. Yeah. You couldn't do that with this film because it was so loud and the squeaking, every time you tried to just sort of just zone really out, immersive. it just kept waking you up. It wasn't immersive, it was just <laughs> in your face. It was so annoying, it was like aggressively boring. Have you ever yeah. heard that expression? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just aggressively dull. So I couldn't, I couldn't switch off despite, you know, because they went, so let's, so let's get a clip up, you know, because I, I want people to understand, I want people to sympathise with what I have to sit through. Alright, we'll play a clip. Hello, New Orleans! Direct from our Austin to Miami comeback tour, we're the Chipmunks!
chipmunks are back. What? You heard me, Alvin. Simon Excuse me, could you turn that up, please? Yeah, sure. Noise in the Big Easy. Oh no, indeed. <laughs> so, okay, so that clip was, I think, one minute. One, it was, it was just under a minute long. Yeah. And um, the film, the film is ninety-three minutes long. And having sat through it, I can confirm that it sounds like that nearly almost the whole way through. Do you think Bruno Mars and Mark Bronson have a case for damages? I mean, it. it <laughs> to be honest, I hate that song. It's like my. It's one of my least favorite songs of last year, sung by Chipmunks. Yeah, and I'm, you know, people have a lot of hate for that song. I don't mind it, but I think it what about sounds that version? Like, what did, you, did you think that improved on the original? It sounds like a master. The original sounds like a masterpiece compared to that. It sounds like Mark Ronson and Bruno Mars have been put through a blender while yeah. singing that song. That's yeah. what it sounds like. I mean, how anyone, even even kids, how anyone can find that sound amusing, you know. Relax. I don't know. I don't even know the adjective to describe it, but you know, none of them are good. You know, that much is known. Um, so there's there's so many instances through this film because I sat through the whole movie just wanting wanting them wanting them to, to to snuff it. You know, I just wanted one dead chipmunk. That would have made me happy. That would have gone along. That would have gone a long way with me that that day. And so there were so many opportunities. The there were so many opportunities. I mean, there was there is was there an there's, 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 there's a lot of cases of mild peril. I mean, there's this air marshal who's following them, and you know he's flinging them, and he's trying to hit them with beer bottles, and he's trying to punch them, and it's like just how can he miss so many times? I mean, I was egging him on, you know, just to do something about this, you know, just incessant. Oh, but this, but this is the worst bit. Again, it's the worst bit. Okay, it, this is you know you think can't get any worse. It, it really can because. What happens halfway through the film is Walt Becker, the director, you literally draw a line in the sand and he says, you can see him, you know, standing there looking, looking at the negative and thinking, you know what I've made? I've made a really crass, you know, 45 minutes of film where chipmunks just, you know, about really annoying chipmunks and this film has no substance. It's crass, it's vulgar, it's boring, you know, beyond belief. So he says, oh, you know what we'll do? Because it needs to be a family film, let's put in, you know, a family plot. So then, halfway through the film, suddenly Miles, this, you know, the, the son of Dave's girlfriend, starts talking about how his dad's never been around. And wouldn't you know it, the chipmunks start to, you know, they really like their dad, and, you know, they really want their dad to stay around. So, you know, there's a, there's a common well, maybe, bond there. Yeah. And do you think there's any chance that maybe... You know, having gone on this road trip, that just maybe oh, sorry, road, road chip. The road chip. Do you yeah. think maybe there's a chance that the chipmunks and Dave and Miles and his mum might all just, you know, ha have a happy ending together? Do you think there's any chance that might happen? Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. I think, there. but do you I think th there's any chance a family film? You know, I think, I think I might, I think I might have an inkling about what might mm. happen there. But don't give anything away. I won't give anything away. Don't give away. anything away. So no. that's that's what I hate about these kind of films. You know, they. They're crap and they know it, but what they then try and do is, is they just put in this sentimentality which is just so out of place because the film has done no legwork to make you care about the characters so that when all the sentimental shit comes around, you literally don't care. I mean, you, you couldn't care less. And also, it's for, it, it's for the benefit of the grown-ups and, you know, anyone over the age of you know, 18 or something because those are the people that are going to be understanding these things, you know, the, the, the gags are all there for the kids. But, you know, the parents don't give a shit about that stuff. 
I mean, at that point, do you know what I mean? All I do you think you would have enjoyed it as a kid? No, no, but I'm getting around to that as well. I mean, I, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as a kid, but I certainly don't think that by putting in some, you know, attempt at family message, and it mm. was a really obvious and, I just think, quite quite tacky attempt, uh, you know, mm. which is something which is quite a serious issue, and I think yeah. it's just a bit insulting to just, you know, literally decide halfway through the film that that's going to be... That's going to be okay. We can now label it family movie. You know, we've dealt with that. Now let's just get on with all the stupid chipmunk fart gags. You know, so were there was there laughter from children in this one? So this is the this is the this is the big question because if it works for the kids, then if it works as a film, you know, I'm not its target audience. You're not its target audience. Yeah. I'm 23. You know, they, this they're not expecting me to be at the screening. So if it works for kids, then it's fine. And I just want to say, as a kid, I quite enjoyed the cartoon. You know, well, I, I don't, I don't know about the cartoon. I, I, I this is my first encounter, okay, and not my last. So it's a ninety-three minute film, and so at one point I, I sat through about five minutes of it, and I got got out on my phone and I calculated how many gags there were, you know, every minute or so, and it turns out there's there's about one gag every forty-five seconds. That's what I calculated. Mm. Okay, one gag. It's quite hard to tell because they're so bad. You you don't really know whether you're supposed to be laughing or not. But I measured it at about one gag every 45 seconds. So at 93 minutes, that's over 100 gags in the movie. There are about 30 kids in the screening. I heard kids laugh, I think, eight or nine times in, in, in total. In total. Okay, okay. Yeah. So eight or nine times in a 100-gag film, that's less than 10%. That's even worse than Walt Becker's Rotten Tomatoes consensus. Okay. I think that's a very, very bad return on investment. But do you know about the six-laugh test? Yeah, but I think that only applies to grown-ups. It's a lot harder to make grown-ups laugh than kids laugh. I've sat through Pixar films where kids have laughed nearly the whole way through. Yeah, It's a lot harder to make adults laugh. I can see that. And adult movies are not so gag-laden. I mean, this is literally just trying to make you laugh every other second, but, you know, just failing, and that's partly what makes it so annoying. So, So, you know, to conclude, I don't think it achieves its goal, which is entertaining its core audience, you know, five-year-olds. I think it does really something... You know, just really abominable with the whole family plotline. I, I just, I, I can't, I can't chastise that enough. Mm. Um, and then, as I said, I mean, the number one problem for me was just the whole sound of the film was just mm. disgusting. It, it was, it was torture. I mean, I genuinely would have rather just sat there watching a blank screen. Um, but there's one silver lining to all this, and that is, I went, I looked at all the films, and the first two films made about six times their budget. The third film made about four times its budget, and this film, it's been in the States, it's been released in the States for about three months, as it, I think it cost 90 million to make, and it's grossed it's about, cost 90 million, yeah? Room costs 6 million, yeah? I mean, just put it in perspective. Cost 90 million to make, it's made about 180 million so far, so that's twice its money. Usually films have to make about twice their money to be considered profitable, so with any luck, it, it's going down, you know, the ratio is going down, and with any luck, this is the last Alvin film, and I promise you, the end could not have come soon enough. Right, okay, well that was Alvin and the Chipmunks, The Road Chip, and uh, coming up next we have what I can assure you is a, is a slightly, <laughs> slightly different review, kind of different film. I hope so. I'm, I'm going to be in Spotlight, uh, but thank you very much for that Samuel. It's my pleasure.
So, uh, following Welcome that, back. Yeah, following that kind of evisceration, I would say. Thank you. Of Alan the Chipmunks. I would say it was my pleasure, but it wasn't really my pleasure, to be honest. Did you, was it cathartic? Yeah, that, that felt good. Yeah? Yeah, yeah but 15 okay. minutes of feeling good for you know, 90 well, minutes of pain. That's, at least that's something. We're, we're here, you know, as some sort of therapy, perhaps. You know, I see them so you don't have to. That's my motto. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So let's hear about uh, something from the other side of, hopefully the other side of the quality spectrum. I, I would, from, I haven't seen Alan <laughs> and the Chipmunks the Road Chip, maybe I'd love it, who knows. Um, but from your review, I think it probably is thoroughly Safe the other say. side. Good. Of um, the quality spectrum, as yes. you said, the quality street. Yes. So this is Spotlight, which you know, if you don't know what it's about, it is about um, journalists who work for the Boston Globe, and specifically a kind of long-form, long-term investigatory uh, new kind of journalist um, team in it called Spotlight. Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, based in kind of turn of the century, two thousand and two thousand and one. Um, where uh, a new editor comes into the Boston Globe and he he wants to kind of look into... There's kind of some, you know, some news about uh, priests abusing children in mm. Boston. I don't want to have a, a bit of a look into that. Mm. Um, so in, actually in Boston? In Boston, yeah. Right, okay. Boston. And they're there for the Boston Globe? Well, they're there for the Boston Globe. Right, so it's um, local news. Yeah, so yeah, so it's local news, yeah. and that's actually how most newspapers operate in the states. They don't really have um, a kind oh, of yeah. national newspaper kind of system like we do with kind of the Times, the Guardian, the Telegraph. Yeah, it's things like the New York Times mm. or San Francisco Chronicle or the Washington Post, and you know they do have wider circulation like the New York Times, but they're still a lot of the time focused in in. Um, in local communities. In local communities and local news, and for that reason they also aren't usually as politically biased. Right, as okay. Our so that's kind of beside the point. Mm. Um, so this kicks off the kind of Spotlight Team's investigation of abuse in Boston um, of children by priests. Mm. Um, and they uncover what is essentially the first major kind of covered by the media properly scandal about Catholic Church and paedophilia. Mm. Um, and so it's a film that, despite it being mostly just kind of four people digging around, looking in the library, mm. or and this is pre-internet as well, yeah. which makes it kind of oddly feel like a period piece, yeah, yeah. Um, digging around the libraries or filing for paperwork or talking to victims... It is incredibly gripping and just kind of mm. waiting for paperwork to come through. So it starts at the bottom, really. It starts at the bottom. And at the start of the case, yeah. Yeah, start of the case. Um, and it really hinges on this external editor coming in. So he's come from the Miami Herald, right. isn't from Boston, and there's a line in it where a guy um, says, who's not part of the paper, but says, oh, you know, this guy, he's a Jewish guy, he knows nothing about baseball. Mm. Which is to say that Boston <laughs> is an Irish Catholic city yeah. obsessed with the Red Sox. Right, okay, okay. Um, and I think what the film does really well, and we'll hear it in a clip in a second, um, is, you know, uh, for me personally, I don't know about your, yourself, but for me and my friends, I think we grew up in you know, quite a secular background. Mm. Um, not too influenced by religion, certainly in my personal life and kind of wider life, not in schooling or... Mm kind of my community at all. Mm. But what that the film really does well is shows how much influence the Catholic Church has 
in somewhere like Boston. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's you know it's it's astounding. And mm. uh, a city like that, how much I can imagine, yeah. You know, power they have, and especially in and that's another thing they they touch on in um, poorer, more downtrodden communities. Yeah. Where and uh, you know one of the victims says, you know, if you're a, a poor kid from the projects and the priest starts showing interest in you and thinks you know you're one of his favourites, that's a big deal for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'll I'll play a clip just to give yeah, yeah. to give some context for it. So, I pull out the 14 most damning docks and I attach them to my motion. And they prove everything. Everything. About the church, about the bishops, about law. And it's all public. Because your motion to oppose Roger's motion is, is public. public. Yeah, exactly. Now you're paying attention. And so I could just walk into that courthouse right now and get those documents? No, you cannot. Because the documents are not there. But you just said they're public. I know I did. But this is Boston. And the church does not want them to be found. So, they are not there. Mitch, are you telling me that the Catholic Church removed legal documents from that courthouse? Look, I'm not crazy. I'm not paranoid. I'm experienced. Check the docket. You'll see. They control everything. So that was a clip with Mark Ruffalo, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, he's great, yeah. And a fan, the guy we're both really big fans of, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. He's great in everything he's in. Margin Call. Margin Call, Julie and Julia, Devil Wears Prada. And weirdly enough, he has a bit of hair in this as well. Do you think they stuck it on? Yeah, yeah, no, he's, he is perfectly bald. It's so does, does he play the edit, the new editor then? No, no, so he is, so um, the team of journalists in Spotlight, and it's, you know, it's a small team as well, it's four people. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, Mark Ruffalo, who kind of has the most, you know, who's got the most plaudits and has the most showy role. His character is kind of the most expressive. Uh, Rachel McAdams. Mm. Um, she's, I think Rachel McAdams is a really good actress. I really like Rachel McAdams. I mean, so. I think she started off, Doing stuff like wedding crushes, and I mean, she was she was good in that. I, I love I love wedding crushes. I, I love, love wedding crushes as well. Yeah. But you know, she's like a lot of these people. She's started to take on more serious roles. Mm. I mean, she's in True Detective, yeah, as well in the new True Detective with mm. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the reasons I haven't seen the second series. Not <laughs> not Rachel Adams. I love Vince Vaughn. Not specifically Vince Vaughn, but going from Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson to Vince Vaughn and Colin Farrell, who both have their moments. That's true. But I don't think it quite. But quite on the same level. No, that's true. Uh, but back to Spotlight. Back to Spotlight, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Mark Ruffalo, Rachel McAdams, Michael Keaton, and a chap whose name I can't remember. Um, but I... Maybe I'll, I'll look at it. Schreiber. Uh, no, no, so Lee Schreiber yeah. is the editor. Oh, oh, he's the editor. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Stanley Tucci in this scene is um, the lawyer for the, um, for the clients who have been abused... And at the beginning, he's made out to be a bit of a crackpot, and he's yeah, just yeah. kind of trying these cases in the media as being very wanton without much evidence. Um, but I think what that, what that clip shows really well is a the control of the Catholic Church in Boston, mm. and b that they're just talking about filing for paperwork there. Yeah, yeah. But by the time you're at that point in the movie, you're like, oh my god. And the other thing that I think mm. it does really well is you know it's 2015. We know about the extent of of Catholic Church and priest abuse, and a the fact that so many priests have been involved in it. Mm. Um, it was six, something like six percent, wasn't it? Yeah. And there's that there's that scene where they're on, they're on the phone call with someone else, and he says six percent. The guy says six percent of what? Six percent of priests. Yeah. 
Mm. Um, but also, and the, that's the thing they're getting at with the investigation, is not so much the act of it, but the fact that it's covered up systematically, mm. and it does go to the top. Mm. Um, and even though we all know that now, and we're very used to it, and these things come out all the time, um, that when they say things like 6%, or they give the figure of how many... Um, priests they think are doing it in Boston, you're still like, oh my yeah, yeah. god, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it makes me think of uh, the big short a little bit in, in the way that you have just one little thing that, you know, one guy sees something and yeah. then suddenly it sparks, yeah. you know, and, and other people catch on to it. And, yeah. and, and it's one of those great films where you see people slowly realising the extent of something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I, I love those movies. That, yeah. You know, like Margin Call or something like that, where, where people just slowly start to realise, oh shit, this is, this is really happening, and yeah. it's a lot bigger than we can have ever imagined it. You yeah, know? and it doesn't shy away from the fact that the Boston Globe was involved in not so much covering it up, but looking the other way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there, there are a few great lines that sum the whole movie up within, and it's, it's very well written. Mm. Um, and there's a moment... In it, where you know Stanley Tucci says, you know they say it takes a village to raise a child, but also takes one to abuse one. Oh, really? Because you know the whole village has the whole town has to, has to look the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if everyone was involved, if everyone was, you know, ready to say something or stand up to it, it wouldn't happen as much. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the other one is when um, Michael Keaton, who I think is actually quietly the best performance. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I really like Michael Keaton. I wasn't such a big fan of Birdman. That, that's, that's, the face Birdman. You, that's the face you were making. <laughs> Samuel was making... I was making the... I hated Bird. Michael Keaton and Birdman. Well, no, I didn't hate Michael Keaton and Birdman. You I just Birdman. didn't like Birdman. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah. I don't like Birdman either, but I, I like Michael Keaton. He's, mm. he's, mm. I've really warmed him, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of he's the head of the Spotlight team, and he's kind of quite... He's not conflicted, but I think he realises slowly quite what he has on his hands and what it mean, what it implies for the whole city mm. and for everyone. The feeling that he has something da- dangerous. Dangerous almost. and yeah. something that he and his friends have probably been involved in looking the other way without realising mm. passively. I think oh, Michael Keaton is fantastic in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, you know, there's a meeting with him and a PR guy um, slash lawyer for the Catholic Church and he's saying, you know, people need the church, blah, 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 goes on this rant, you know, you know, why don't we just brush this under the carpet? Mm. And Michael Keaton goes, is, this is how it happens, isn't it? A guy leans on a guy, and the whole town looks the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I thought Spotlight was, was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Great performances throughout. It's gripping, despite it being kind of people chatting in rooms and... Mm investigating mm. um, and one of my things I was slightly worried about at the beginning of the film is that oh are they just going to portray the victims because it is a lot about the victims yeah as a, are they going to focus on always going to portray them as kind of well they can be completely broken and they're all crackpots because of this yeah yeah <laughs> um, which I think is somewhat a stereotype and mm. you know I think maybe people who have been in that situation who are kind of you know luckily and do their own credit more well adjusted despite the circumstances yeah. don't all be portrayed as kind of yeah. all nutters yeah loons and nutters mm. that's happened to them mm. um, but actually as the film went on A I understood 
why they were portraying them in actually what turned out to be a more sensitive way, right, but okay. also a more three-dimensional way as well. Okay, good. So even my, some of my reservations about the film... I so thought, treats its treats its characters, you know, with respect. With respect. Especially those ones that have been involved. In yeah, the, in, and doesn't... And when it's all done, they're like, oh, yeah, we did it, guys. It's like... Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, this is exactly. But that's exactly what the, the big short. At the end of the big short, it was the whole thing was, oh, we made a load of money, but you know, at what cost? The whole of America is broken, mm. and every person on the street has lost, you know, mm. a ton of money. You know, each person literally. So there was kind of that congratulatory element, but it was very much diminished by the sense of something bigger falling down. Yeah. And it sounds like it's the same. You know, you can't really celebrate it, even if you uncover it. Do you know what I mean? It's still, which is probably why people looked away for so long. Yeah. Because you don't want to believe it, do you? Yeah, and they're getting close and they want to release it. Like, no, we have to get it right. Yeah, We yeah. have to get it so it goes all the way to the top. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a few priests are acting out and brush under the carpet. Um, so, you know, they have to have real patience. And I thought, I thought it was really good. Fantastic. Go see it. And I saw it in the brilliant Crouch and Picture House. Oh, yeah. The Crouch, yeah. such a nice cinema. I know. Did you sit on one of the sofas? Not one of the sofas, but nice, comfy chairs that lean back yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got like a cafe. That's my new. That's my new favorite cinema. That's brilliant. But yeah, the Everyman in Muswell Hill is too cramped, and the screen is, is too, too far away. Oh no! So screen one is. But oh well, I've only ever been in screen one. Like but how do you know if you're going to be in screen one? Then? You, you don't. Exactly. Um, so it's a bit of a lottery. I'm but screen two something. and three have sofas. Right. Okay. Um, and it's closer to you. The thing about screen one is because it's a listed building, there's only so much you can do about it. Mm. They could redo the seats and make them a bit more spacious. But they've just redone it anyway. Yeah. So they're going to redo it again. Yeah, they, were, they tried to do the sound. But well, there's, there's only so much you can do. So go to Crouch, Crouch and Picture House. Yeah. We are being sponsored by them, but go there anyway. <laughs> we're receiving nothing from them. <laughs> yeah. If you listen to this, feel free to sponsor us. Yeah, exactly. We're you desperate. Know, give us free tickets or something. Five quid over there. Um, but yeah, okay, fantastic. That, that was Spotlight. Well, thanks, Joe, for that. Um, coming up next, we've got our classic film, Rocky, I believe. So stay tuned. Yeah. Hello, and welcome back to Everyone's a Critic. We just heard Joe talking about Spotlight. Thanks you did indeed, Joe. yeah. Well, nice you're very one. welcome, listeners and Samuel. Thank you, my pleasure. Um, okay, so we're moving on now to our classic genre. Yeah. So this is a classic film that we haven't seen and, until this point, basically, and we've watched it for the purpose of the podcast. Yeah, and um, it's Rocky. It's Rocky. And yeah. one of the reasons it came to my mind, I don't know if it came to your mind, is the recent release of Creed. Yeah. Which has been pretty well received, actually. Have you seen, have you seen it? I haven't seen it. No, right. I'd like to see it now, though. Yeah, come out quite like Just skip the other five or six in yeah. between yeah. and go straight to that. Although apparently Rocky 1 and, you know, uh, 2 and 3 have some, have some merits. Yeah, yeah. I think it starts going down after 4. Well, what film doesn't? Even really Drago. Like The Road Chip. Yeah, like The Road Chip. Like yeah. The Road Chip. I'd like to see... Until number 4, they were doing really well. Yeah, I'd like to see how Rocky 4 and... Um, the road chip rate up, you know, even Drago mm. and Miles, the bully. Mm. Yeah, I'm not similar sure. villains, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Moving, moving swiftly onwards. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's, let's talk about Rocky. So, 1976. Um, yeah. Starring Sylvester Stallone, I'm sure everyone knows that, but 
I didn't realise that he actually wrote the script as well. Yeah. I didn't know Sylvester Stallone could, could write yeah. scripts or, and a, or anything. A, a good script. Yeah, a good, yeah, a good script, as well. exactly. Well, that's what's more shocking, I guess. And this is heavily script-based. I mean, I think people are going to think, oh, it's a sports movie. You know, it, it's going to be it's, action. It's not. It's not. I mean, it, ostensibly, it's about boxing. Mm. But, like, Jaws is about sharks. And Surprisingly, there's, there's so little boxing in it. So little really. boxing. Maybe there's about ten, ten minutes. There's a bit at the beginning and a bit at the end, mm. and that's it basically. And he punches some raw meat. He between. punches some raw meat, which yeah. is you know part of his his whole deal, as it were. Yeah, I mean, so the the story is, um, Rocky is half American, half Italian, um, and he lives in the slums and of Philadelphia. Of Philadelphia, and he collect. He helps this guy. A deck. He's a deck collector, basically. Yeah, he's a, a bouncer, um, leg breaker, basically for yeah. a second-rate deck collector. Yeah, but he's got a good heart. He has got a good heart. Weirdly enough, for a man who injures or threatens to injure people. Yeah, um, but he doesn't really follow through. He doesn't know. He's not a very good leg breaker, deck collector. No, he's not. No. Um, but you know, and an amateur boxer. That's what he does in his spare time. That's what he really loves. And it's, you know, it's a film about, you know, they talk a lot about the American dream. Yeah. Um, it's a film where, I mean, everyone kind of believes he's past it as a boxer. Yeah. You know, he's in, not the twilight of his career, but, you know, he could have made it. But he could have made it, and, and he's did. way too old to make it, make it now. And I think we've got a clip which um, exemplifies that. something for me? Yeah, there was some guy here from Miles Juergens looking for you. They need sparring partners for Apollo Creed. Put me on. There's a car. When was it here? About an hour ago. They'll probably look for sparring partners for Creed, you know? I said that before, you dumb Dago! You know, I've been coming in for six years. The six years you've been sticking it to me. I want to know how come. You don't want to know. Yeah, I want to know how come. You want to know? I want to know how! Okay, I'm going to tell you. Because you had the talent to become a good fighter. And instead of that, you became a leg breaker. Some cheap, second-rate loan shark. So living? It's a waste of life. Yeah. Um, so that was a man. I just want to put it out there, kids. Don't smoke. Because that's what all... <laughs> if you want to sound like that, you know... Well, he just—he just sounds like he's been shouting at people in a boxing studio for the last forty years of his life, which is probably what his possibly supposed to, supposed to sound like. Yeah, no, you know he does, and also like he's been smoking Chain. forty unfiltered a Chain, day, chaining forty a day. Yeah. Um. So that's Rocky's. Yeah, that's Rocky's coach, basically. And it's interesting because at the, at the start of the film, when Rocky's, you know, down and out, he doesn't want anything to do with him, and then as soon as Rocky, because what happens is. Uh, Apollo Creed organises this fight, and it's going to be this... And Apollo Creed's the world champion. Yeah, he's the world champion. So he organises this fight against the local Philadelphia boy, because he thinks that is the epitome of Because the his other dream. fight has fallen through. And yeah. by chance, he stumbles upon this chap, Rocky Balboa, who's an Italian-American, you know, it's like... and it's The Italian the, Stallion. Italian Stallion, and that's, that's his nickname, that's why he chose him. Mm. Um, but also because it's the bicentennial... Of America, oh, basically, right. yeah, yeah. 1776, yeah. 1976. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's like the... he loves he loves the idea that someone could come out of nowhere and beat him yeah. because he's in love 
you know, he's in love with the American dream. But he's also is as well, to be a honest. fairly shrewd businessman. I think, I think it's, it's, again, for a boxing movie, it's oddly meta in that way. Oh, yeah. That they're making a film about the American dream, but also the people in the film are keenly aware that they're engineering something about the American dream. Yeah, yeah. It's American dream within American dream, yeah. almost. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when we talked about the movie before, as I said, I, I didn't have a problem with... Sometimes those kind of films annoy me, you know, with flag-waving and stuff like that, but in this case, I thought the characters were so strong um, that I forgave it, you know, the kind of... I didn't feel like they were ladling it on they too weren't, much. They weren't ladling it on too much, and because he was so... He's so down and out... Mm. Um, and um, because there is actually, you know, on reflection, at the time I was like, this is kind of weird. But on reflection, you know, a relatively engaging. Yeah, um, relatively engaging script. Script and, you know, I'd say probably, would you say side love story or central? Well, it's, it, it's weird because it starts as side and then it moves to the forefront. Yeah. Um, and um, that's the one part of the movie that I didn't engage with as much. Mm. I kind of wanted Rocky to get on with get on with the bloody fight, training. fighting people. Yeah. yeah. Punching people in the face yeah. until but, one has declared the winner. But then, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting as well. I was looking at the budget um, for it. It, it. it was made in a budget of $1 million, and it grossed uh, $225 million. And won Best Picture as well. And, yeah, won Best Picture and another couple of awards as well. So the film, it, you could say the film is an American dream film in its in, in itself, itself yeah. yeah because no, it that, was literally rags to riches I mean, Stallone was nobody before that he it, had people he had members of his family in the movie yeah and it's very much his project driven oh, by yeah. him completely driven by him yeah yeah um, and that's you know we think of Stallone as like an action star mm. and you know he occasionally assembles a bunch of, of other wash up action stars of sort of just Crap action films with absolutely no depth. Five Expendables movies where... Well, exactly, yeah. And um, you look at where he came from, and actually there is a lot of depth there. And yeah. the characters in that film yeah. have a lot of depth. So. Well, I think it came from what it seems like it came from quite a personal place for him as well. Yeah. Um, also, going back to that clip, I didn't know I had to look up afterwards. Apparently, Dago is quite a, an offensive term for Italian-American. Oh, is that is that uh, the, a term that he uses in that? Film? Yeah, when he's like, "You're damn Dago." Oh, I hadn't, I didn't know that. Obviously, not in that voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're damn Dago. <laughs> yeah, that would that sounded like posh. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah, that's all, what it would have been if I said it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If we were boxing trainers. If we were boxing trainers, which we're not, coincidentally. No. Um, okay. We're respected I'm... film critics. Well, listener. Well. By some people, ourselves. Oh, okay. Anyway. So uh, yeah, okay. So I think we've wrapped up Rocky. I think so. I sum okay. it up in one line. Sum it up. Um, a boxing movie that's not really about boxing. Yeah, and I think another thing, what I think we should touch on with these is, do they stand the test of time? Mm. I think the fight scene wise, no. Dated. That's one of the things that, things that left dated. Dated. That that really felt dated. Yeah. The rest of it, I think, totally stopped the to, to, to test of time. Yeah. The, the script and the story. Watch it for the drama and engaging characters. Yeah. No, the, the fights didn't stand up to the test of time, but I thought but everything the else was did. was compelling enough on the back of its script and story yeah. to warrant um, a revisit or a visit, in our case. Yeah. Fantastic. That was Rocky. And coming up, we've got our hidden gem, which is... The Spectacular Now. Stay tuned. Wow.
Welcome to part four of Everyone's a Critic. You just heard our review um, and segment, I can't believe you haven't seen, of Rocky. Classic film. Certified classic by Everyone's a Critic. Yeah. Uh, and now we're doing our hidden gem section. And this week, this week at least anyway, um, it's like a, a unanimous hidden gem. And it's, take it away Samuel. Spectacular now. Yeah. Um, and our original envisioning for this segment was I pick one, you pick one. Mm. But the first one that was put out there. Uh, we'd both seen and we both loved. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, unanimous decision. Um, we really wanted to expose films that might have only had a limited release or not many people have seen. We wanted to expose those to a wider audience. Um, and this is certainly one of those films. I haven't really come across anyone else who's, who's seen this, apart from yourself mm. and friends that I've shown it to. Um, so let's get straight into it. Starring Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. Miles Teller, who I first saw in Whiplash in 2014. yeah. Which, um, and I really liked him in that. This is he was nominated, wasn't he, for Best Actor, I think? Well, uh, yeah, he probably was, I think. Well, the film was certainly nominated for Best Picture. And J.K. Simmons won Best Supporting. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was fantastic in that, yeah. So that was a, that was a great film. So, um, but this, this spectacular now is from 2013, so this was an earlier role. Mm. And then uh, Charlene Woodley, I mean, she's quite big now, isn't she? She is, yeah. She was in The Descendants. Mm. Um, that's, I think that's, that's predates mm. um, The Spectacular Now, with, that's with George Clooney. Um, she was also in The Fault in Our Stars, which is mm. the John Green... And the... Di- was it Divergent? Divergent, yeah. They've all got kind of slightly different... All the sequels got, like, Divergent. Another word for Divergent. Like right, okay. okay. I haven't seen the films. But, you know, she's kind of young adult yeah. uh, novel adaptation star. Yeah. Um, and also with supporting work by Brie Larson. Brie Larson. And when I told Samuel that Brie Larson was in this film, he freaked out. I don't think it is. I no. I wish I'd waited to tell you on Mike as well. I just couldn't believe it because she looks so different in this movie. So different. I mean, she's got blonde hair for one. Yeah. And she just, it's a completely different character than yeah. the character she plays in Room. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And now, every time I watch Spectacular Now, I'm going to see Ma from Room and vice versa. So thanks for that, Stevens. Anytime. Anytime. Here to ruin a film for you, audience listeners. <laughs> right, okay. Um, so let's talk about the plot. Yeah. So, um, the film kind of centres around, uh, opens with Miles Teller's character Sutter, and he's just broken up with his girlfriend, Brie Larson, and, you know, he, he starts like, you know, I'm going to win her back, it's going to be great, I'll be fine. Hmm. Um, he and, goes on a bender. Yeah. Because he's upset, and he ends up on, um, the, on, on the grass outside Shirley Woodley's house. The lawn. The lawn, sorry. Okay. She ends up on the, he ends up on the lawn outside Shalene Woodley's house, and then they have an exchange and become friends, which kind of developed, you know, into something, something else. I don't, think that's, more spo- than I don't think that's a spoiler. No, not at all. Saying that. Um, so anyway, yeah, we've got a clip, which, you know, I, I think is indicative of the tone of the film. Oh, definitely. So let's, let's play the clip, yeah. and then, you know, we'll talk, talk a bit more. What about, uh, like, ex-boyfriends? Uh, Say, we need an ex-boyfriend in there. No, I, I don't have Who's, any. like, an ex-boyfriend that just, like, really pissed you off, that you just, that just, like, you hated? And I, if they're just, like... I don't have an ex-boyfriend. What? Yeah. You don't have a single... You're 17 years old. You don't have an ex-boyfriend? No. Really? It's not guys don't look at me like that. I mean, like, yeah, absolutely guys look at you like no, that. No, no, no. I just I, saw two guys looking at you like that. 
uh, Eric Wolf and Cody Dennis no, were 100% hitting on you. No, we were just talking. On they were 100%. not hitting on me. No, no, no. There was absolutely yes, no way. Were. Why don't you think they were hitting on you? Because I'm just, they weren't. Because you what? Amy, you're absolutely beautiful. Oh my God, no. <laughs> So, um, and you know, just a, a note, obviously that's a, an audio clip from a visual film. They kissed at the end there. Thanks for that, Joe. I thought that was important for context. That is, yeah, I guess that is important for context, yeah. yeah. I, I, just hearing that clip again takes me back to the movie. It um, makes me want to watch it right now. Yeah. Um, a, a good soundtrack as well in the background. Yeah, yeah and it's not too overbearing, I don't No, think. not at all, no. Um, you know, quite understated. Don't know who did it, actually. Um, so anyway, you get you get the feeling, you know, you get the gist of the film. Miles Teller's character is confident, outgoing, and and sees something. I think this is quite important. Sees something in Shailene Woodley that she doesn't see in herself. You know, yes. he finds her attractive, and she doesn't see herself that way. Um, so that's the initial stage. But then further down the line, as they begin to develop a friendship slash relationship, you know, he he has problems which are exposed, and and she sees positivity in him where he doesn't see it in himself. So really, they're identifying. You know, replacing missing parts of each other. Yeah, like a beautiful puzzle piece. <laughs> you know, they fit together perfectly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's know, a good and, you know, she she isn't very confident. And she's not a geek. She's just not someone yeah. people really know. Um, yeah, she's not like a weirdo or anything. No, no, not at all. She's just she, a quiet she, yeah, girl. Yeah, she's just quiet. In, a nice, quiet girl. In a Midwestern, you know, American town. Yeah. Um, and he's the class clown. And she, and you know, he's very popular, but no one really takes him very seriously. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that was really sweet about the film, that she has more... Although, you know, he puts faith in her, I think she puts more faith in him. Yeah, she's a um, steady... And, influence. you know, she sees more depth to him mm. than most people do. And, I mean, that's a good word, depth. I mean, this film really does deal with deep characters and explores those depths very well. Yeah. It doesn't just deal with, you know, classic American stereotypes like the jock or the geek, um, which is which is really one of its strong points because that's where so many movies about young teenagers, you know, I think especially American movies, that's, yeah. that's where they go wrong. Yeah. Because as soon as you have a stereotype, that's kind of where the exploration ends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the I... only thing to do is to fulfil that stereotype or just go against it. Whereas with these characters, it doesn't, it doesn't go down that route. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't put labels like that on it, which really... Get, you know, gets you to engage with the characters a lot more because you haven't seen people like that before. Yeah, and um, you know, I like the Breakfast Club as much as the next guy. Yeah, but that's all about stereotypes and this person fits into this category. It's also about breaking down those stereotypes. But as you said, it's centered around those very ideas. Exactly. Um, Whereas this film just doesn't even go there. No, uh, I like. So I think they're like. What's really nice is they're chari- characters, yeah. not caricatures. Well, yeah, that's that's a really good way of summing it up. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, that's that's really concise. They should have, they should have put that on the poster. Um, it's it's a really character driven film. It's funny actually because I mean, talking about Rocky, those films are not very similar in their subject matter. One's a 1976 boxing film, film and this one's. Story a, made, those are years. Oh, man, it talks like this. Is that Sylvester Stallone and yeah. his coach? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Nice one. Thank you. And um, here all we people. And the other is uh, yeah, a young person's. American coming of age tale. Rom- yeah, would you call it? You wouldn't call it a rom com, would you? No, not, of- not at all. No, that sounds far too whimsical. That does. Come, coming of age film. Coming of age film. Yeah. 
I personally don't have anything left to, left to say. Do you, Samuel? I think that sums I up think, quite nicely. I, I think Other than go see it. Yeah, yeah. definitely go and watch and it. And for our American listeners, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, unfortunately, not Amazon Prime UK, which is really quite annoying, actually. Right, okay. Uh, well, you, you can know, just watch it illegally. Or not. You know, you could buy it and fund uh, the people who put the effort into making this small independent film. Mm. Or, you know, you could just... Take your pick. You could just stream it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well... Yeah, I'd like to say thank you very much for listening to the show. Thanks for making it this far. Yeah, exactly. It might have been a slog. To the yeah, <laughs> definitely. To the to the two people who are still listening, thank you very much. Yeah. And um, we're going to be doing a similar format next time, I believe. Yeah. New movies. Um, so we'll put something we'll put something on the Facebook page next week about what what new movies we're going to watch and possibly what hidden gems and classics we're going to do. Yeah. If you liked it, tell your friends. You know, so something they they might enjoy. And um, thanks for listening, guys. Take care and feel free to comment. We want to hear from you. We'll read out some comments next time. Yeah, even if they're mean. It'll even probably if, be funnier if they're mean, yeah, to be honest. Just so abuse us. Yeah, please do. Over and out. Cheers. Fucking compose yourself, then. All right, sorry. <laughs>